Oh man, I can't wait to get to the Word of God today. I am so excited about this Word that God has put on my heart for you this morning, for our church. Um, again, I just wanted to welcome you all here. I am so glad that you're here. Uh, for all those of you that don't know, that are watching online maybe, that are here in person, my name's Matt, along with my wife Tanya, we are the new lead pastors here at Life Church. We get to serve alongside of Pastor Mike and Ev Schroeder as our associate pastors, uh, which is just such an incredible blessing, and we are so uh, grateful, and, and, and I'm going to use the word again, because you know, it's just such a good word, is excited, yes, we're excited, that we have the opportunity to kick off our time of leadership by sharing with you the values of Life Church. How many people have enjoyed the sermon series so far? Right on. Uh, for those of you who have missed it, I'm going to bring you up to speed. This is what this is going to look like this morning. Then I'm going to tell you a little bit about what we're going to talk about this morning because all of these subjects, all these values are massive topics. And we're really just scratching the surface and really honing in on certain elements of them. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about what we're going to do this morning. Then we're going to pray. I'm going to, we're going to read the scripture. Then we're going to pray. And then I'm going to preach and, uh, and it's going to be awesome. And then we're going to go out and enjoy this beautiful day today. Amen. Um, so here's where we're at. Where we're at. First of all, our purpose here at Life Church is that we are here to care for and bring people to Jesus, right? We are here. Can we say that together? We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. The big idea here is that we don't save anybody. We could have the best program on a Sunday morning and it could do nothing for people. But it's the presence of God that's flowing through us that brings people to his presence, that brings him in. It's Jesus that saves, amen? And we don't know what the future holds for life, church, but we're going after Jesus. And wherever he is, there's life and there's hope and there's peace and there's restoration and there's healing. That's where we're going after, amen? The presence of God. And then we talked about how our, one of our first values is we value the word of God. We build our lives on his word. Number two, we wor value worship. We are a Holy Spirit-led church who lives to see God glorified in all things. We value prayer. We're a house of prayer dependent on Jesus. We value rest. We will operate out of a place of grace. I love that one. Uh, I love all of these. We, will, we value growth, number five. We believe that healthy things grow. We talked about that a few weeks back. And then last week, we were able to share with you a message with my beautiful wife. We value family. And we are a diverse, welcoming community. Now, this morning's value is something that when Tanya and I were talking initially about the excitement of coming to Life Church, of what this is going to look like, and we were talking about what it was going to look like when we came and became the lead pastors in the church, the first thing that popped out of my mouth is, honey, I want to start by speaking about honor, about a culture of honor. This is something that has been stirred up in my spirit for many, many years, and it's something that I'm so excited to share with you. And can I just tell you, even before we get to this message today, you already exhibit this value. A lot of these values that we're mentioning are actually things that we have observed in this church already that has existed here since we've been here. And I just want to honor you <laughs> and let you know that we see it in you. We see it in you. And here's our statement behind this value. Uh, we value <laughs> and cheer each other on. We value 
and cheer each other on. That's what this value looks like. We want to see a church, come on, that is for each other. We want to see a church that's building each other up. We want to see a church, when you come into this place and you're feeling down, you shouldn't feel like you're getting kicked to the curb on a Sunday morning. You should feel like God is coming to raise you up to another level. And that's what we want to do, is we want to come behind you and help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Amen. Oh, come on, I like the amen section right over here. I'm liking this. This is good. It's getting me excited. If you guys amen me, I preach better. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's true. If you're like bored, just throw out a few amens, and it'll help you to feel better and connect into the service, all right? So how we're going to approach this today is we're going to look at uh, uh, the, the definition of honor, okay? We're going to talk a little bit about what, how we define honor. I'm going to give you some, some pictures of that and show you what that looks like. We're going to look at some nuances of the idea and the definition of honor. And then afterwards, we're going to get really practical and talk about practical ways that we can uh, apply that to our church here at Life Church. all right? So if you have your Bibles this morning or your apps, whatever you got, you can turn with me. We're going to read two passages of Scripture. Uh, one is a passage of Scripture. One is a story about Jesus. And then we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into this. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. This is what it says in the New Living Translation. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Somebody say delight. Take delight. Come on, this has got to be a joy for this. This has got to be something that bubbles up within us. Man, I can't wait to honor other people. I can't wait to serve others and help to see them grow and help to see them become the people that God has called them to be. That's something we got to delight in, church. Come on. Now, the next passage is this. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And this is a story about Jesus. We're going to go ahead and read the whole thing this morning. And then it's not going to make sense at first. You're going to be like, okay, what is he talking about? But we're going to loop back around to this story later on in the sermon this morning, okay? You guys with me? So John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning once again for your word. God, we come under the authority of your word. God, here at Life Church, we value the word of God, and we declare this morning that we will build our lives on your word, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that as I speak, Lord God, I would speak the word of God. I pray that it would flow through me, Lord God, that I would be a vessel and a conduit for your presence to impact each person here today, Lord Jesus. I pray that not one person would leave this place the same, but God, that we would all be changed by your truth and by your word. Lord God. Lord, we submit ourselves to it this morning. I pray you'd help me to get out of the way so that you can do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Well, Life Church, one of our passions is that we see in the church a culture of honor. We want to see a culture of honor where people rise and people grow, where people are released. We want to be a a church where there is safety in the culture of honor, and there is blessing. This is the vision that we have for Life Church. And this morning, as we talk about this idea of honor, here's the, the direction that we're going to approach it from. Kind of my big idea today is this. We have been honored and given value by God so that we can honor and give value to others. This is our big idea today. We have been honored and given value by God so that we can give honor and value to others. That's the big idea today. But before we dig into that idea, we have to get an understanding, a mutual understanding of what exactly are we talking about when we talk about this idea of honor. How do we define it? In, in the New Testament, there's a Greek word that's used for honor, and it's this word that looks like time, but it's actually time. And it means a value. The idea of honor is a value or money paid for or concretely and collectively valuables. It's to esteem. It's this idea of precious, the words of, uh, of a pricey item, something that has value. Um, another way that we could say this is honor esteems, honor values. It builds up and believes the best. Honor promotes. Honor builds up. Now, I'm going to give you a little example of that today, and I brought something from home. It's one of these things that whenever we move, Tanya says, should I throw this out now? And I say, no, you should not throw this out now. We have this conversation a lot in our home. When I was growing up, one of the cool things to do as a kid was to collect sports cards. Anybody here collect any sports cards? And I was a basketball guy, obviously. And so I was obsessed with basketball. And, and you've, if you go to my parents' storage locker, mom and dad who are watching right now online, I'm sorry about this. I know you still got this stuff. Thank you for that. There are boxes that are full of sports cards, basketball cards in particular. And we would collect them every year, usually at Christmas time. Mom and dad would get us a box full of cards. And many of them would end up in, in, in you know, other boxes. Or we would get these binders and we would collect them and put them in there. And we would put them in order of all the teams. And then my brother and I would go through and, and look at them. And, oh, we got that one. And we got doubles of that. And we put another one behind it. But there are certain cards that we actually set aside. And one of those is this card right here. Now, I'm almost tempted to pass this around. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for leaving the camera. Camera, this is the card. People, this is the card. This is a 1989 Michael Jordan card. Now, it's not a rookie card. Okay, I don't have the rookie. 
But I got this 1989 Michael Jordan card. Now listen, I, I probably have this exact same card in one of those boxes in my parents' uh, storage unit. In fact, I probably have this exact same card in a binder in my parents' uh, storage locker. But when I was about 12 years old, somebody gave me a gift, and it was this card right here. This is just a regular card. But what they did is they honored the card. They treated it as valuable and pricey. And rather than taking it out and playing with it and passing it around and trading it with other people, they encased it in this plastic encasement that looks pretty skookum, right? And it's got these screws in the corner, and they screwed that in, and they created value around a card. They honored it. They set it apart, and they treated it as something that was valuable. Now, last night, just for fun, I took this card out, and I Googled it. What's going on with this card? And do you know that there is somebody out there right now that is asking $1,700 for a mint condition 1989 Michael Jordan NBA Hoops basketball card? Now, there's lots of common ones out there as well that they're asking, you know, five bucks for. You can get this card for five bucks. If you want a quick investment and see if you can turn it around, there's an opportunity for you. I'll leave that with you. But some people would do that. They treat it as normal. But when you treat it as something that is special, when you honor it and when you value it, you bring up the value of that thing to another level and you create demand and value on an item. You honor it. Do you see that? You honor it. Another way you might get another example of this idea of honoring is, um, is, is a young man taking a young woman on a date. Now, I don't know what it's like today. I haven't dated for a very long time. But in my day, I think I was even back then considered old-fashioned. But when I took my wife, my beautiful wife, on her first date, let me tell you how I honored her. First of all, I took authority over that date. I said, okay, this is, we're gonna, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to surprise you and take you to a nice restaurant, and we're going to go over here. And I said, this is what we're going to do. And then I went and took a shower. Okay, all you young men here, take some notes, all right? This is helpful. You need to smell nice. It's important. I sprayed on some cologne, and I actually did my hair. I vacuumed my car. Right? Come on now. I drove to her house, and I didn't show up a half hour late. I was there five minutes early. And I knocked on the door, and she said, can you just give me a moment? I said, no problem. I got you, because I'm cool. I got you. And then when she came to the door, I walked her down the steps into the car. And you know what I did? <sighs> I ran around to the other side and I opened the door. And she got to go in the door and I closed the door behind her. And then we drove to the restaurant. You know what I did? I got out <laughs> and I opened the door. And then she walked up to the front door and I ran, raced ahead of her and I grabbed it and I opened her. Why? Because I'm trying to show her that I honor her, that I value her. That she is something that is special to me. That she is unique. And I put value on her. I honored her. I lifted her up to the level of a princess in my own mind. And I treated her that way. Yeah, thank you. And that's the secret, actually. <laughs> that's how I was able to marry that woman. <laughs> I'm so blessed. Oh, my goodness. But that's the idea of honor, you guys, is to esteem. Whenever you hear the word honor, this is what I want you to hear. I want you to hear this idea that when you hear the word honor, that you have the opportunity to honor, you have the power to promote. You have the power 
to value. You have the power to lift other people up around you. You have that power. And if we're to look at this idea of honor, it would be helpful for us to look at the opposite idea, which is the word dishonor. Everybody say dishonor. Now this idea of dishonor, on the other hand, is to treat something as common. To assume the worst, to tear down, it's shameful and it's vile. Now let me give you an example of that. What if I took this card and I ripped it out when I got it when I was 12 years old and I decided that I wanted to draw a mustache on Michael Jordan? And then I, I, I folded it up and I used it as a little tent for my little army guys. I treated it as common or I dishonored it. Guess what? This thing is worthless when you do that. Or... <laughs> What if I didn't shower <laughs> before going to pick up Tanya? What if I had just eaten some McDonald's and had fries sitting all over the front seat? And what if I showed up a half hour late and I didn't even call her to let her know that I was on my way? You know what that does? It sends a message of dishonor to her. And let me tell you something. This idea of dishonor impacts us in more ways than we would imagine See, if we were to look at this idea of honor versus dishonor on a way scale, whatever side has the most weight or influence inside of you will be what comes out of you. This idea of honor has to start from within us. And let me tell you something. When you view yourself as having little or no, or no value, or you treat yourself as common, the outcome is inevitably destructive. See, here's the power of insecurity and poor self-esteem. Let's just explore and examine this for a moment before we come back to this other idea of honor. This idea of of insecurity and poor self-esteem that comes through dishonor or treating yourself as common, number one, can cause you to compensate, overcompensate by putting others down to make yourself feel better about yourself. (laughs) How do we do this? Through gossip? Oh, hey, did you see... Sister so-and-so at church on Sunday with that hair? Oh, my word. Right? Right. Oh, I feel so much better about myself. See how that works? We use our words to tear other people down. Or maybe it's just an internal dialogue that we have inside of us. This dishonoring, when you feel dishonored, when you feel threatened by other people, this is what else can do. It can cause you to feel threatened by other people's success. When the atmosphere inside of you is an atmosphere of dishonor. When it's an atmosphere where you're treating yourself as common and you believe yourself to be common and somebody of ill, Ill repute or dishonorable and cause you to feel threatened by other people's successes. It can cause you to find secret contentment in other people's failures. And number four, it can cause you to devalue yourself and self-sabotage. This is where a lot of addictions start. Things like eating disorders or destructive relationships. Can caused by dishonor inside of us. So listen, before we can grasp and apply the value today, we have to understand and walk in confidence in the value that God places inside of us. Can I just tell you right now, there's some of you here today who've been walking under a cloud of dishonor. 
Come on, your circumstances around you have pushed you so far down that you've begun to agree with the lies of the enemy that tell you that you're worthless, that you're common, and that you're not valuable. Because let me tell you about the God that we serve. See, this is what God does. Number one, God gives humanity a position of honor and creation. This is the idea of common grace. This means that God has given this position to everybody on the planet. Let me show you what this looks like. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 5, it says, For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. I think the, the passage before this says, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you would honor him or value him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. God has given us glory and honor on this planet. He's given all of humanity power and authority to steward our planet. In Genesis 1.28, there's this original blessing of God when he created us. And the Bible says that he created them in his image and in his likeness. And the Bible says in Genesis 1.28 that then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry around it. So now this is on the common grace level. This is for everybody. What does this look like? Let's just show you this in, 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 in this context of honor. If we live in that honor, what happens? Then we're going to take care of the things around us. If we live in a, in a, within us, the atmosphere inside of us is an atmosphere of dishonor and, and commonality, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw our McDonald's cup out the window after we're done with it. Right? We've been given power to raise up. We've been given power to lift up. We've been given power to value. That's the first level. Second level is this. God has given his followers a greater position of honor. Oh man, that could get controversial. You're saying that you're better than me? That's not what I'm saying. I'm going to show you this in just a moment. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 17. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Okay, listen, this is this idea. You have a new identity in Christ. You are a child of God. And you are an heir of the things to come. You are the heir of the things of God. See, we've got common grace. We've been given honor. But now us who are followers of Jesus have been given a greater level of honor, which is that we are children of God. We are children of the Most High God, and we get to live in that and walk in that. Somebody look at the person beside you and say, you are a child of God. Come on. We are brothers and sisters. We are the family of God. We talked about this last week, and we have a new identity in Him. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? That's number two. Number three, God gives us value. Oh, this is so good. Because of who He is. Not because of who we are. This is so important, church. God gives us glory. God gives us value and honor, not because of who uh, we are, but because of who He is. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 8. When we were utterly helpless, 
Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his love for us in this by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Church, he did it for us when we were enemies of his. He did it for us when we didn't even know who he was. He did it for us for a world that had rejected him, literally rejected him to the point of death on the cross. He paid that price for us when we didn't deserve it. Do you know what that means? Your sins, the the dishonor in the atmosphere that exists within you, it has been canceled by the work of Jesus Christ. And today, you can stand with confidence and authority in the honor that he has given you. Come on, when I stand and I walk in that, it's not because of the great things that I have done, but it's because of Christ in me. He gets all the glory. Come on, he gets all the glory. And what does that do? It takes the pressure off of us to earn this value through performance. We don't earn it by performance, church. It's because of Christ in us. Now, here's the big idea. Now that we understand a little bit more of what honor is, that you are valued and honored by God. Can I just tell you that right now? You or each one of you is valued and honored by God. You are the Michael Jordan card in the case. You're not the one with the mustache and the army man inside of it. Come on. You are the princess. You are the prince. You are the king. God is raising you up in glory because of his glory. Not for us. Not for us. Amen? So here's the big idea. We have been honored and given value. I want you to recognize that and I want you to walk in that. But here's why we've been honored and given value. So that we can bring other people up. Let me show you a picture of this. Tom, come here. This is what happens. I receive Christ in my life, and he raises me up to another level. He raises me up higher. And what can I do with this place? Hi there. Little one. Look how much better and higher I am than you, right? So much better and higher, obviously. Come on. No, no, that's not what I'm here to do. That's not what I'm here to do. God has raised me up in honor. Why? So that I can raise her up in honor as well. That's the picture, church, of honor. That's the picture of honor. Give her a hand. That's the picture of honor. See, Tanya and I became lead pastors here six weeks ago, right? So imagine if I came in here today and said, okay, this sermon is about how you need to treat your pastor Because I am now your pastor, so this is my expectation of all of you. Sorry, I don't know why I wouldn't do an American accent. I can't. That's probably rude. (laughs) That's so Canadian. Hey, (laughs) anyway, uh, you, you need to treat me well. You need to carry my Bible for me. That's what I expect. I want water that is at least X amount of degrees cold and filled three quarters, please, with a little bit of lemon. Right? I could do that. But guess what? That's not the kingdom. That's not what God is about. God has raised us up. You want to know why? So that we can raise you up. 
Listen, I, we are committed to seeing you grow in your faith. Become the people that God has called you to be. We are committed to seeing you uh, live out the calling that God has put on your life uniquely. We are here. We've been given a position of honor. Why? So that we can honor you. And church, you've been given a position of honor. Why? So that you can honor others and bring them up. Here's the big idea. We've been honored and given value by God so that we can honor and give value to others. In other words, we are called to use our position of honor to honor others. Now, let's just talk a little bit again about how we see this modeled. We see this modeled in Jesus. First of all, I'm looking up a scripture, just so we're all clear. This is not Facebook. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 10 says this, Though he was God, Jesus, he did not think it of, of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being, and when he appeared to human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. If there was anybody on the planet that had a position of authority that deserved honor, it was Jesus. But what did he do? He came as a helpless baby. He grew up in a normal family as a carpenter. How ordinary is a carpenter? And then any chance that he got, he raised people up. He restored them. And we see this example in John chapter 8. See, the man had grabbed the woman by the arm. And at first she had struggled. He was pleased within his heart because he knew that this was going to work. They were finally going to catch him off guard. They finally had a test that he could not pass, and the outcome was guaranteed. He held the woman and walked towards the temple as he looked around at his fellow Pharisees and teachers of the religious laws, feeling like in himself this sense, this twisted sense of triumph. Walking towards the temple, thinking, how dare he stand in the temple and teach? We'll show them. The woman had struggled at first, but now she was limp. She had surrendered to the outcome that was likely to happen. And as they walked her towards the temple, they saw him teaching. And rudely they interrupted. Out of the way! Move! walked up to Jesus with anger in their eyes and in their hearts and threw her down at his feet. Jesus, teacher, they said. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, the law of Moses says that if anybody is caught in that position, the just punishment is stoning. Now, what do you say? Silence. People that have been listening to him are aghast and shocked. 
waiting for him to respond. You see, the test was such that either way that he responded, he was going to lose. If he said, oh, this woman needs to go free, then they could say to him, oh, well, then you don't honor the law of Moses, and they could discredit him to the people around them in the public place, and that would be the end of this man's influence. But on the other hand, if he says, yeah, I agree with the law of Moses and she needs to be stoned and we need to hold true to the word of God, what happens? Well, then he's just condemned somebody to death. And guess what? Under Roman law, he would be executed most likely for going against Roman law. And they would have a case to bring him before the Roman judges. So it was a lose-lose situation as this woman stood in front of him. And what did he do? He stopped. And he got down and started drawing in the dust as if he didn't even see them. Now, everybody debates, what was he drawing? What was he doing in the dust? And some people say, well, he's buying time. He was praying to the Father for wisdom to know what he should do. Uh, he, you know, maybe, maybe he was there, and, and there's another version that says that maybe he was writing out the sins of all the people that had come to condemn this woman. Um, that's a possibility. We, we don't know what Jesus was doing, but what we do know is he took his time so it was awkward. And when the Pharisees started to press him, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? What does the Bible say? Okay. You're right. Law of Moses says that. So, any of you that has no sin, you cast the first stone. Oh man, the Spirit of God must have been so thick in that place. The Spirit of repentance... And one by one, these Pharisees, starting with the oldest, interestingly enough, who recognized the truth of what the teacher had just said, dropped their stone in the dust and walked away. And the Bible says the woman stood there. I don't know about you, but if everybody's walking away when you've been accused, you run. But she didn't because there was something about Jesus See, he was the only one that had the power to carry out the sentence. He was the only one that stood there that day that had the right and the authority and the honor to follow through and condemn her. And the Bible says that Jesus looks up and sees only the woman there. He says, woman, where are your accusers? Has anyone condemned you? And she says, no, Lord. And I wonder if her voice caught. Because she recognized and realized that he was the one that could tear her down. In this moment, her life was in his hands. And Jesus turned to her and said, woman, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Life Church, that is the picture of honor. The one who had the power and the right to condemn used the power that God had given him to restore and to lift up. And can I just tell you, church, the glory of God is revealed in restoration. Man, if you're here today and you have been under that weight of sin and shame in your life, 
If you have allowed the atmosphere inside of you to be influenced by a spirit of dishonor, I want to let you know this morning that there is a God who loves you, who has a plan for your life, that is here today to restore you and repair your heart. And all you need to do is turn to him. Church, very quickly here as we close, very quickly, I want to give you four quick things that we we can live this out, okay? We are a a church that values honor. We value and we cheer each other on. I'm just going to read one quick quote to you from William Barclay. The function of authority is not to banish the sinner from all decent society, still less to wipe him out. It is to make him into a good man. The man set in authority must be like a wise physician. His one desire must be to heal. Remember, Jesus said, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So here's how we can do this, church. Remember, we've been honored. God has done it in us. He's restored us. He's made us righteous and whole before him so that we can honor other people. Here's four ways we can do that. Number one, with words. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can use your words to honor people. Let's, be, let's delight ourselves in that. Let's be so good at encouraging each other. Let's build each other up. Come on. We get enough of the garbage out there of people tearing us down. How about here in this place, in this home, in this, in this family? We build each other up. Amen? Amen. Let's use our words to build each other up. Number two, with our actions. Mark 9.35 says, And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and a servant of all. Let's serve each other. Let's love each other. Church, let's, let's come behind. How about, here, here's a real practical way. How about this? COVID. Right? Right away, some of your, like, your hackles went up on the back of your neck, and you're like, oh, man, he said that he's going there. Where, where is he going? Relax. It's okay. We got this. COVID. Well, there's some people in here who feel like right now they want to wear a mask. And guess what? You are welcome to wear a mask in this place. Let's respond with love. We don't need to talk behind people's backs. We don't need to start little stories about who's wearing a mask and who's not wearing a mask. Come on, let's work in unity together and let's love each other. And for those of you who are wearing masks and you say, man, they're not wearing a lot of masks, we're going to try and create space for you so that you can feel safe here. That's really important to us. Um, but, but also, please have grace on us as well. Because some of us don't want to wear masks. So we're, we're going to be gracious with you, and you can be gracious with us. We've been given a position of honor so that we can honor others. Do you see that? That's an action. Okay, number three, time. Colossians 4, 5 says, Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Come on, we can honor people by giving them our time. You know, this looks like you're walking through the Walmart, uh, uh, you know, checkout stand, and there's this lady there, and she's standing there, and you just stop, and you look her in the eye and say, Hey, Margaret. How are you today? Oh, rough day. I just happened to be there today. I was in, I was in um, a store. I'm not going to name it. And I was just about to leave. And um, this girl comes to me and says, you are the first person who has smiled at me all day. What's your secret? I'm not kidding you. This actually happened. And I was able to have a conversation with her about Jesus. Just take the time to look people in the eye and honor them and value them. There is value and there's gold in them. Lift them up, okay? Number four, an attitude. Romans 12. We're going to come right back around to this first verse. Verses 9 and 10. It says this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Church, this is an attitude. 
And I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we close today. And whenever we start talking about the things that are practical that we can act out, that's something that we can do. But when we start talking about the attitude of the heart, and we start talking about things that go on deep inside of us, church, that's where we need the Holy Spirit. That's where we need his presence. That's when we call on the God who has been raised up and honored far above anything on this earth. And we say, Lord Jesus, come and help me. And you know what God does? You know what Jesus does? He's been honored and he uses that honor to raise us up. Why? So that we can take that honor and we can walk in it in confidence and we can use that to raise up other people around us. We're all in a different place in our journey. And I just want to say this again. If you're here and you're new to this journey, oh man, you are so welcome here. We're so glad you're here. You're welcome to journey towards Jesus with us. We are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. And that's what we're going to do with you is we're going to care for you. We're going to help you to come and meet Jesus for yourself. But if you're a little bit further along in your journey and you've been following Jesus, And you've been feeling like inside of you there's been this atmosphere of dishonor. Maybe it was something that you've done in the past that you haven't been able to let go of yet. Maybe it's something that, you know, somebody spoke over you. A word of dishonor. They devalued you. They treated you as common when God calls you a treasure. And God calls you a son and a daughter. I believe the Spirit of God is here this morning to restore you back into right relationship with God. To set your feet on a rock. Come on, I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the miry pit and out of the clay and he set my feet upon a rock. That's what God does. That's what God does. So first of all, we're just going to do this just for a moment, church. I know this is kind of old school, but we're going to do it. Close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're watching right now online and you've never received Jesus in your heart before, if you're in the building today and you have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want to tell you right now, it is the greatest thing you could ever do. Because he's here and he's waiting and his desire is to lift you up. You see, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. That means me and you have fallen short of the glory of God. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that yet, while we were yet sinners and separated from God, he died for us, just as we read earlier. And this morning, you can have right relationship with God in this moment, right now. The Bible says now is the time of salvation. Today is the appointed day. And all you need to do is repent of your sins, which means to turn away from them and turn to him. And confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. So we're going to pray a prayer right now, church, for you, those that are here in this room and those that are online. And we're going to believe God to to, to touch hearts. Amen? We're always going to create space for this. So would you just repeat after me? Heavenly Father, dear Jesus, 
Let's hear it out loud. Dear Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. And I recognize that I have been far from you. And this morning, I turn away from going my own way. And Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to fill up my life with your life. And I confess that you are Lord, that you're in charge. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I believe that your life will never be the same. And we have people here standing by, even online. You can write in the chat that you prayed that prayer. You can email in to uh, office at lifechurchwr.com and let us know. We'd love to get a pastor in touch with you to pray with you and talk you through the decision that you've just made. And also, if you're in the room here, we're here. And we'd love to talk to you and pray you through the decision that you just made. But the second thing is this. For those of you who are in this place today and you know who I'm talking to and you feel like the atmosphere inside of you has been an atmosphere where you have felt devalued, you have been told that you are common and that you are not valuable, this morning I believe that the Spirit of God is here to break that off of you and to restore you and to bring you life and to bring you refreshing in this place. So with every head bowed, just for a second here, we're going to do this. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if that's you and you know who I'm talking to, wherever you are, I want you just to lift up your hand. Wherever you are, is there anybody here who's feeling that this morning? Yeah, hands all over the place. Hands all over the place. Oh, let me pray for you. Father, this morning I pray... Lord, your word brings light, and I pray that the light of your word would fill each heart, Lord Jesus. God, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we pray this morning that truth of the word of God would rise up in each spirit, Lord God, of those that have been told that they are worthless or they are common. God, we come against that in Jesus' name, and we come right now in your holy name, and we pray that you would come with your Holy Spirit, and you would bring refreshing, and you would bring life, and you would bring wholeness into each heart, Lord Jesus. We pray the deep work of the Holy Spirit to tear down strongholds and open up the gates of freedom. In Jesus' name, let us stand with confidence in your word. Let us stand with confidence in who you are because you are the great God and you have called us great. And therefore, we can walk in it. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.